You may not know how it looks like, but you definitely know how it sounds like. But how much do you really know about the Asian koel? There is a lot more to this bird than just its persistent calls. Hi, I'm Pedro. And I'm Ivan. And welcome to this episode of Of Red Dot. Before we begin today's episode, I want to share a story I've heard. A pair of parents were gently crating their child to sleep. Once their child has slept, they head out as usual to get their daily dinner. Unknowns to them, a stranger is watching from afar. Once they're out of sight, the stranger creeps into their home and leaves behind a sinister package. When the parents come back, they find another child in the house. It is a strange, large child. They know something is wrong, but they can't fight their instincts, and they share their dinner with the random child. This isn't a horror story. This is in fact the childhood story of every Asian koel. So Ivan, was this story um, accurate? Yes, pretty much, except we are talking about eggs, not human babies. Also, um, the, the home is pretty much a nest. In our very first episode, we talked about how the Asian koel is a brood parasite and is a cuckoo. Let's dive more into that. What exactly is a brood parasite? I think everyone knows that birds lay eggs and birds build nests to raise their eggs and eventually the eggs hatch, the parents take care of the chicks and then eventually the chicks are old enough to fledge and leave the nest. So this is how many birds raise their young. However, there are some birds that do not do that at all. These birds were actually deposit their eggs in the nests of other species of birds. They, they leave the job of raising the chicks to other birds. So these brood parasites do not contribute to raising their own children at all. And they leave the job to other birds. One of the most famous families known to engage in, in this behavior are the cuckoos. And the Asian koel is one member of the cuckoo family that you can find in Singapore. So there are several species of cuckoos that live in Singapore. Some are residents, meaning they live here all year round, they breed here. Some are migrants, meaning they actually breed in other parts of the world and they visit Singapore during the winter months. And there are also some species of the cuckoo family that are not brood parasites at all, meaning they do build their own nests, they do take care of their own chicks and raise them to adulthood. So from the story you just told us, Brood parasites are birds that rely on a different species to raise their young. Mm -hmm. Their fate is more or less intertwined with another bird species. Yes, that's correct. So my question is, what is that other bird for the Asian koel? Well, in Singapore, it's the house crow. And it is a very interesting story of how one species that we consider not native and invasive in Singapore has actually allowed a different species to flourish in our urban environments. So the Asian koel has a very wide distribution from India to some parts of Indonesia. And across this range, it does uh, use various species of birds as its host. So in some, in some areas, they might use miners. In other areas, they use crows. 
And here in Singapore, the only species that the Asian corel is known to parasitize is the house crow. Now, the house crow story goes quite far back. The house crow is not native to Singapore. It is actually native to the Indian subcontinent. But in the 1940s, the house crows started appearing in Singapore. House crows might have just hopped on board some of the, the ships departing India and Sri Lanka and they just hitchhiked all the way to Singapore. And eventually, enough of them made the journey that they were able to establish a breeding population in Singapore. And in fact, even today, house crows are still doing the same. They are showing up in the Middle East, in Africa, even as far away as Europe and other parts of the world. And thanks to the abundance of trash and food waste that was often left lying around in the open, this really allowed the house crows to flourish in Singapore. And so their populations really boomed for some time. They were being seen as a real nuisance. But then this ended up benefiting the Asian corel. Now the Asian corel was actually considered a rare species in Singapore for much of its history. In the 1920s, you had people saying that the Asian corel was a rare bird with only a small handful of records from Singapore. And for the most part, it was believed to be a migrant, meaning it came to Singapore during the winter months, hung around in Singapore, and then come spring, it flew off back to its breeding grounds, probably further north. And so this was the case up until the 1980s. The Asian corel started being recorded all year round. It was clear that it was due to the, the high population of house crows. So with this abundance of potential hosts, right, the Asian corel found a lot of potential Asian corel foster parents. The male Asian corel, it is very dark, glossy blue, almost black with red eyes. The female is a bit more well camouflaged. She is brown with white spots. Um, the male makes the unmistakable sound, right, that everyone knows. And the female Asian corel is also just as loud, but her call is quite different from the males. So she is more well concealed. So sometimes what happens is that the male Asian corel will call near a house crow nest. And crows being very good parents, they're very protective of their nests. They will fly off. They will pursue the male Asian corel, right? And then that, the, the nest is left unguarded. And that is the chance for the female Asian corel to slip in, lay an egg, and fly off. And sometimes you might get multiple female Asian corals doing it. So when the house crow parents come back, they might notice that something's not right. There are extra eggs. But perhaps because of the parental instinct, um, it's so strong that they don't really seem to, to notice or they don't really seem to care. And very often, the Asian corel chick hatches before the house crow's own chicks. And with the Asian corel begging for food, demanding attention from the house crow parents, very often, it is at the house crow's chicks' expense. House crow nests with Asian corel chicks have fewer house crow chicks surviving. And so eventually, as it grows up, the Asian corel chick uh, somehow knows that it is not a house crow. It's an Asian corel. Eventually, it gains independence and it flies off and the cycle continues to probably target another different crow's nest. This is a really fascinating behavior of Asian corel. So... They innately know that they are not a crow, that they would 
grow faster than the others, eat more food than their siblings. And then when they grow up, they will basically just leave the nest and seek their own peer again yep. to carry on the cycle. Yes. Is there any ecological role for Asian corals since they weren't originally from here? Well, um, when they're not parasitizing crow's nests, Asian corals feed on a wide variety of food. So they feed mostly on fruits. So this is not very well studied, but they could potentially be seed dispersers for various uh, fruit trees. They do also feed on insects and some other smaller creatures. And so they they are considered part of our native urban bird diversity. And of course, because of their ability to parasitize and affect and influence house crow uh, nesting success, they do also play a role in controlling the number of house crows in our urban environment. Of course, I mean, human beings, we have put in place quite a number of other measures, right, to control house crow populations. We, we actively remove house crow nests. We have done a lot more to manage our, our urban waste, making sure that there is less food lying around for house crows and other um, and other birds to take advantage of. And of and in some places um they are culling exercises where people shoot the house crows. So uh in com- in combination with all this, the Asian corals uh nesting behavior uh, the Asian corals behavior, right, where it lays its eggs in the house crow's nest and affects the number of house crow chicks that survive to become future uh, breeding house crows, it does play a role in controlling the number of house crows. Remember, remember that the house crow, it's not a native species and there are people who are worried about whether the house crow could have a negative effect on other birds in Singapore. So in a way, the, the Asian corel is kind of like, like one of the, the natural control measures. Of course, the Asian Coel is also very well known for its signature call. And unfortunately for a lot of people, Asian Coels live near crows, and crows live near us. What should we do if the Asian Coels call is driving us nuts? (laughs) To be honest, I've never had that happy problem because I'm a very sound sleeper. So... I've never had a case of an Asian coral living near me, although there have been there are Asian corals in my general neighborhood. But I would think that um, it really depends on how on the individual how you deal with such noises. Some people go for noise cancelling earphones. Some people say that if you if you try to imitate the the, the Asian corals call and call back and reply, it might chase it away. Right? Some people have suggested um more drastic measures, which I won't go into very detail. However, you must remember that the Asian coral is a protected species like most other birds in Singapore. Right? So, uh, whatever you do, it, it, you cannot cause bodily harm to the Asian coral. I know a lot of people don't like it, but you must remember that this is a bird that is here partly because of human actions, right? Because of, of international trade, that somehow brought the house crow from India and Sri Lanka to Singapore and allowed the house crow to proliferate on our garbage and, our, and on our food waste. It's only because of this that the Asian coral became a permanent 
all year round resident of Singapore and is now able to wake us up at 5 a.m. <laughs> Regardless of whichever, at, at, at any time of the year. Yeah, Ivan, I'm sure you come across a lot of um, complaints in your line of work about wildlife. So I'm just very curious, in your opinion, how do you think we should deal with coels as, uh, as one people in Singapore? <laughs> I think generally we... This is something that I guess to some extent there is there really isn't much that that we can do except probably learn to embrace it and accept it as part of our urban soundscape. Now of course there are a lot of things that we experience in our city life that we might not necessarily like but we do have to accept it as long as it is within a reasonable level of comfort. So for instance, you know, you have Tra- noises from traffic you have noises from neighbors you have crying babies barking dogs people singing karaoke so these are all things that i guess we have to somehow accept to a certain extent and i think the asian koala is one of those things that we have even less control over because remember you can complain to the police or to your town council about noisy neighbors or noisy vehicles in your car parks but you cannot really complain about birds outside. And of course, you know, there's this very uneasy tension between different uh, segments of, so- of society. For example, um, this, this reminds me of some of the controversies over chickens, right? Chickens are not coels, but some people don't like chickens because of the noise that they make, right? So similarly, you know, some people will say, oh, the chickens, they are just, they remind me of the old days when we had chickens running around um, in, the, in the kampongs. Then some people say, no, the chickens disturb my sleep and they are a nuisance. They must be removed. So I, it's very difficult to balance both sides, right? But I think, especially for a completely wild animal, like the Asian quail, I, I think we can probably take some measures, but it's not like we can totally remove them from our urban environment. They are here to stay. They are a part of our city, like it or not. They have been around in the... As year-round residents of Singapore since at least the 1980s and they've made themselves very much at home here in Singapore. The Asian koel is a classic example of an urban wildlife. Some love it, most tolerate it, and of course some hate it. There isn't an easy answer in reconciling everyone's view of nature and wildlife. There will always be annoyance and inconvenience. Our next animal like the koel, has also adapted very well to our cityscape. But instead of annoyance, it often incurs fear. In the next episode of Wild Red Dot, we will encounter the last apex predator of Singapore. See you next time on Wild Red Dot. <laughs>